Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. What's up, people? This is DJ. Hey, mi gente, this is Ish. And, and this, this is season, season two, two of Pero Let Me Tell, tell You. Salsa. I've been up for 24 hours, so... You have at this point, haven't you? I have. I've been up for 24 hours from coast to coast, baby. Ooh, I'm, I'm creeping up on you because you've been up before longer than I have. But let's not, let's not spill the beans. That's for our future episodes. We have, we have a little treat for our, our, our well, listeners. Let me tell our listeners where we're recording this. Well, week. no, no, not yet. Not yet. Because it's... Every, everybody, welcome to episode 84. <laughs> Four. Oh my God, I've been so bad in the last couple of weeks with the episodes. Generally, I'm like really good. You're on top of it. But, you but that's what happens when you're a little delirious because you've been up so long. What is your excuse the other weeks? Huh? What's been your excuse the past two weeks? Hello, you know my life. <laughs> it's the mold. <laughs> the mold, the uncle, the, the home. Pick something. Pick yeah. Pero. Hello, everyone. Pero Friday. Hope everybody's having a great time. Yes, yes. Hope everybody's having a good time. He won't let me tell you where we are, but whatever. Whatever. Um, we are in mid-October already. Almost. Oh, yeah. Almost your birthday. Almost my birthday. Let's not talk about the number. Because as baby girl, Leo would say, AJ, nothing but a number. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I don't want R. Kelly involved. I know it's a bad year for R. Kelly. So, how is everybody? Como está todo el mundo? Pero Friday, we hope you had you had a great weekend. Well, a great week, a great, great week. week. Great week. Wow. Um, you are bad today. I know, right? Está mal. Ahorita I'm gonna say that the president is Bill Clinton. We're, we we're back in the nineties. We time travel. We're back in the nineties. Lord, <laughs> let's go to the let's go to the Gap, buy some some jeans, and then go to McDonald's have an Arch Deluxe. I would totally devour an Arch Deluxe right now. But that, wasn't the Arch Deluxe good? When when you hear that, it's like the greatest, like it's, it's the biggest disaster. disaster, like PR disaster McDonald's had ever had. 
I mean, uh, listeners, do you guys remember the Arch Deluxe? I don't think most of them. It do. was it was it was a sandwich that McDonald's like released in. Well, they released in the mid nineties mm-hmm. because they wanted to go. They wanted to produce a hamburger that was more to like an adult, older right. audience. Artisanal. And and as we have talked about what off the air, the sauce of the nineties was. Honey mustard. Honey mustard. Honey mustard. Honey mustard was the sauce of the nineties. Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. From nineteen ninety to nineteen ninety nine, honey mustard was a shit. You were having honey Gag, mustard. Gag me that they had honey mustard in the eighties. Of course they didn't, because honey mustard was the sauce of the nineties. It was all about barbecue sauce in the eighties. Yeah, in the eighties, all, all about barbecue. Bar- that's like in the two thousands. It was blue cheese. Everything was like blue cheese this and blue cheese this. But you kind of pioneered that. I did pioneer that. I'm not gonna lie. I you did. I did it. because I'm the one who've always had blue cheese dressing with everything. You were having blue cheese dressing like in the late nineties. In the late nineties. So in the in the two thousands, everything was blue cheese. Blue cheese on salads. <gasps> blue cheese on steak. Blue cheese with fruit. And now in the like a really off brand version of that favorite thing song from Sound of Music. Oh no. And now in the 2010s, everything is truffled. <laughs> everything is truffled. Everything is truffled. Everything is truffled. <laughs> truffled, 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 truffled. <laughs> you wow. need to calm down, truffled. We are delirious. We are. We've been up a long time. Oh, a but anyway, but back to the Arch Deluxe. So yes. so it had it had um honey mustard, so it was like a patty. Mm-hmm. Bacon, cheese, bacon, you know, lettuce, tomato, and honey mustard, and then it had an artisanal bun. I thought it was very tasty. It was tasty, but you know, I think that's one of those ideas that was ahead of its time. I think if it were to come out like now, Mm -hmm. because people are more like artisanal, yeah, whatever that means, whatever that means, it would probably do. I love how there's like artisanal like Tostitos. There's probably artisanal maxi pads. (laughs) Yeah, um, so I don't know. Uh, let's see. Maybe nah, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't come out again. No, 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 no. Because now they have their like. Their <laughs> so let's have an Arch Deluxe and have a surge. You know, you can buy your surge on Amazon. You know, like no, tw- like no. Wait, wait. Is it Wendy's that has surge? Oh, I don't know, but I know you can buy on Amazon. You can no, buy like a but Burger pack. King. Burger King has surge. Have surge. A surge. Mira para Mira para bendito. Who knew? Who knew? Anyway, so how was everybody's week? You know who didn't have a good week? Well, she had a good week, and this is something when I first saw it, I knew I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. I think she had a good week, but haters going to hate, and you know, since everybody who goes online and on Instagram has opinions, and they're wretched and stupid and all that. Viste the freaking dilemma que se metió Ellen for sitting next to George Bush? You know what? Good for her. Good for her for what she came out and said. I think, and, and it's and it's fascinating to me. So, for listeners, for those of you who don't know, Ellen attended a football game. Uh, was it last week? Yeah, and okay. and you know, former President Bush was in the the owners box with her, and there was pictures of her, you know, with him. And of course, everybody was like, "How could she be friends with him?" And, and mind you, she was invited to this box, right, by the where, owner, by of, the owner of the so, I, so it's what, what of the Dallas Cowboys. Thank you. Her and Portia no. were invited. No, it wasn't the Cowboys. It was the Cowboys. Isn't the Cowboys owned by Mark Cuban? No, he owns the Mavericks. Yes. Okay, never mind. Um, he was invited. They were invited, um, right, right. To, to uh, this box, to this Texas, game. well, I still call it Texas Stadium, AT&T Stadium, and um, George Bush and Laura were there, and they sat next to each other. I mean, what was she supposed to do? 
I mean, what, what was she supposed to do? Go in there and be like, hey, motherfucker. It's like, I, you know, people that criticize these things, it's like, what do you, what do you want her to do? What do you want her to but do then, since you're so judgmental as to thing. what she should or shouldn't be doing? But that's the thing. Then everybody, again, because we all live in our little echo chambers and she's trying to basically say like, you know, we should talk to each other. And then, you know, you've got gente como Mark Ruffalo coming out and saying like, well, you know, we'll be kind when blah, 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 blah. It's like, thank you for being part of the problem, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, you know thank what? You. When I heard... When I heard the whole thing, because then Mark Ruffalo chimed in and talked about war crimes and yeah. all that. And I'm like, okay, so for example, when Barbara Streisand received the Kennedy honors mm-hmm. um, from George Bush, right. which I remember she even made a statement that she said, you know, just because I disagree with him in politics, I mean, I'm no less honored to be receiving this, you know, this accolade. Honor, right. Should she return her Kennedy honors? You know, or, or or further one, I'll up you one. I'll up you one. Mm-hmm. So they're upset that Ellen uh, laughed with George Bush and George Bush, you know, uh, had a track record of anti-LGBT, you know, um, right. policy and, you know, the war in Iraq and all that, so on and so forth. Fair enough. So are we going to condemn Barack Obama for going to Cuba and sitting with Raul Castro and going to a baseball game with him and having fun, having fun in a baseball game with him? That's different because, you know, El Che. Oh, no. So, you know, no. But seriously, like now I'm going to take the stance of my father and every other, you know, old school Cuban that was against, (laughs) uh, you know, Obama going to Cuba. So when Obama went to Cuba, who at that point was president of the United States, and he sat down with um, Raul Castro and they went and they saw a baseball game together and they were sitting together and laughing and they went to a bunch of cultural events in Cuba. and They were buddy, buddy. So so are we going to condemn Barack Obama for going and meeting with a vicious dictator? who has blood in his hands and who him and his regime and his brother killed tens of thousands of people in firing squads and in you know right. political prisoners so on and so forth so are we going to do that because if we're going to do that I'm totally okay with it you know right. if, if we're going to hold people let's, let's, to that standard if, if, right right let's if we're gonna, so are we going to condemn um, let's say the Reagans who used to in the 80s used to wine and dine with the Chichenescos in Romania, who the Chichenescos used to do ethnic cleansing in Romania and used to um, literally let people starve in Romania in the 80s. Like, literally, people were starving, like starving to death in Romania in the 80s. And the Reagans wined and dined them, just like every other administration. So are we going to also, um, you know, um, the Clintons who wined and dined, you know, different leaders and governors of China, you know, which China has the worst track. Don't go that far. The Clintons were friends with Jeffrey Epstein. With Jeffrey Epstein. So so are we going to condemn that? I mean, because if we're going to start condemning people for any interaction they had with people, with shady, you know, backgrounds, backgrounds yeah. and, you know, we're in big trouble. Right. Right. And, and so you, and you better pray that your list is clean. So Ellen comes out, you know, and I thought that she did a great message typical, saying, you know, Ellen saying, fashion. you know, I'm friends with everybody. Even if we have a difference of opinion, you know, I consider him a friend and we don't have to agree on everything. So on and so forth. You know. Just trying to make the peace. Well, the moment she said that, the moment she said that. Mm-hmm. The moment she well, because she says uh, be kind to everybody in every but episode. That's what I'm saying. She's, she's the moment she, she said that. Mm-hmm. 
I said, tú era. Because I, I, my main <laughs> news source is NBCnews.com. Okay. I'm like, tú era. There's going to be an op-ed. Because NBC e- everything's an op-ed NBCnews.com, uh-huh. this is something that I'm really upset at, the organization as, as a whole. And I'm gonna, I, I think I'm going to write them a letter. I feel that my view to the letter, my letter to the view was effective. It did. Listen, we got, we got them to do it. The first one was Desi, and then they did Celia. Because I feel that NBCnews.com now, it's, every other article is an op-ed. And it's like, no, you're a news source. I don't care about other people's opinion. That's why I don't go to fucking Facebook. Because I don't care to hear other people's stupid opinions. Bueno, efectivamente... Efectivamente, um, um, the moment that I saw I go, Duera. there's I going to be an op-ed. op-ed in the out section of NBC News because NBC has an out section, which okay. is obviously for LGBT issues. And Duera, y así mismo. there was some girl who wrote saying that being, dare you being um, friends with these people and being kind is a form of silence. You know, it's a form of silence that, you know, uh, uh, in LGBT issues mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, being gay, that, you know, being friends with these people is a form of silence, right? And what I have to, you know, my answer to that is... <laughs> What's your op-ed? Uh, no, my, you know, right, but the difference is that we're we're a podcast that no, no, this I is what we are. I know, I know. NBC News is a news source. Right, right, but I'm saying, what's your op-ed? My op-ed is... Okay, sweetheart. So you think Ellen, who was one of the pioneering gay, you know, Voices. people, yeah. you know, who broke down so many because she says that Ellen is a sellout and now irrelevant, right? Okay. So I'm like one of the people that broke like down these walls. So let me tell you something, sweetheart. Ellen, who is a lesbian and is very open about being a lesbian, married to a woman, married to a woman who she talks about all the time her wife, in her, her wife, in her yeah. in her show. Mm-hmm. Portia comes on the show all the time, mm-hmm. right? So she's very, very open on who she is and what she is. Right. Ellen is one of the most popular daytime talk shows in the country. Right. So she comes into people's homes of all demographics, of all God you knows know how many people's views she's changed. She's changed, or or have are, are you know she's tolerated. Why? Because she's funny, right. you know, she, and, and she doesn't shy away from gay issues. Well, it's just that her show. It's a daytime it's, talk show. It's, it's a, it, but as I it's say, a chat show. But but as we always say when we talk about the issues, you know, her being gay, you know, mm-hmm. you you know, somebody being gay is one of many things right. of your character, right. Right? right? So her show, she doesn't shy away about gay issues at all on her right. show, you know. And but every time, the show's about. and every time she, you know, there's been something maybe happening in LGBT matters, she'll bring in, some, you know, whomever was right. in the center of that and talk about it. Mm-hmm. So you don't think that by her being her in the way that she chooses to portray herself and have her show, you don't think that that is effective? Because I don't know about you, but that's a lot more effective than, you know, a hundred angry gay people walking down the, you know, screaming down the street, hear us now, hear us now, you know. Right. I mean, come on. We we could walk angry down the street, you know, marching and whatever. That doesn't have the same effect, I think. Well, she has a better platform. As as somebody like Alan. It also comes back to this whole thing of, which is, it actually kind of started with Mayor Pete, where it's like, oh, you're not gay enough. You're not black enough. You're not Latin enough. You're not, it's this perception. It's like, that, what do you want me to be? It's this perception that if you are this thing, you have to be it the way I want you to be it. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise it is not enough. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, fuck off. 
fuck you. Who are you to tell me who to be? And at the end of the day, you know, she's not, you know, Ellen may have her opinions, but the fact of the matter is that Ellen's not some type of war historian tactician to sit there about like, you know, well, the, the war in Iraq and blah, blah, blah. And yes, you know what? People may have had certain positions on LGBT issues. And again, I don't know what, what, Former President Bush's stances are on any of those things now. Well, the main the main but what thing I'm is people change too. But these are also the same people who will who will hold you to something you said 20, 30, 40 years ago, mm-hmm. despite the fact that your views on on, on X topic right. may have changed. Right. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Right. And and it's it's easier to be angry and indignant. It's this this faux in, indignation that everybody you know loves to beat themselves on the back with lately as opposed to actually saying you know what i disagree with that but i can see where you're coming from i just i think it's i think it's disgusting that we've we've gotten to such a point in it whether it's through social media twitter whatever that even somebody coming out and wanting to be peaceful about something right. and, and wanting unity. you know wanting to promote you know you right unity that now that person's attacked too i mean how it's dare just, you want peace? Yeah. You yeah. bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whatever. So, how's everybody doing? <laughs> Other than that, how's everyone doing? Has anybody found Onitachi? Oh, I hope so. Well, no, I hope not. Because if they found it and they haven't sent a picture to us, then you know what? <laughs> we can't be podcast Pero Hitachi. <laughs> no. Pero classic Hitachi me. Oh. Every time you say it, I automatically picture the the yellowing but is it really yellowing or was that just always the color i think it was both (laughs) it just it was already like a like that color but then it just it was like an off cream color but you know (laughs) it got worse it got worse did Mm. not get better oh my god we're we're gonna bore our listeners with this episode you yawned and now i yawned so okay so let's give our listeners a little insight yeah, let's tell them where we are. So, starting they're, they're next see, week... They're going to see posts anyway. No, because we're going to post... Ugh. Starting next week, we... But let me tell you... you op-ed. You're censoring. We're going west. <laughs> Go west. We are going to the west coast. Yes, well... But let me tell you, goes west. You'll see the fruits of it. Actually, the reason we're falling asleep now is because we are already west. <laughs> we're technically west, but it doesn't matter. Right. I'm saying it only just so you be like, okay, they're like falling asleep. And it's like because it's like 2 a.m., 2.30 in the morning, Miami time. But, but we have a lot of, we have a few <laughs> treats in store for yes, you guys. Yes. We're very excited about some interviews and some things that are going to be going on yep. here. Um, basically... I'm, what brought us to the West Coast was the podcast. That's true. Yes, the podcast that's led true. us here. Let so, us here and, and, and that's thanks to everybody listening. Yes. So thank you, listeners. You guys, thank you, you so much. Brought us to the West Coast. Look, and next time you can all you know pull your money together and help us pay for the trip. You know, be nice. <laughs> okay. If everybody has a dollar. We're not going to have a GoFundMe page because that's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just saying. If everybody wants to give me a dollar, you know, I, I'll take it. I, I can't take GoFundMe pages. I'm sorry. <laughs> At all? No, I mean, there's some, you know, maybe if it's for like the illness of a child or something okay, like okay. that or, or, or some extreme circumstances. Yeah, sure. Okay. Of course, like a medical situation. Sure. But all these other GoFundMe page, go fund my plastic surgery, go fund my vacation, go fund, you know, my hobbies. It's like go fund my student loans. <laughs> like, oh, I don't think we can raise enough money for that. <laughs> Like, you went to law school. There's, go not, f- a, there's not enough go funding. Go fund my mortgage. 
Go fund my mold repairs. Go fund my mold repairs. Mold is a terrible thing to have. Isn't that crazy though that so many people do GoFundMe now? It's an abuse. And 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 like you said, like por gusto, you know, like because again, if you tell me like when you know, your house burned to the ground and you know what, you were a freelancer and you don't have any, you know, whatever. Okay, fine, I get it. Or like you said, you know, a child with an illness and only has one parent and that parent, you know, has to stop working. You know, very extreme situations. But yeah, I feel like everybody now just has a GoFundMe for like for shits and giggles. Yeah. Mind you, it's very different than a Kickstarter. No, because a Kickstarter is people asking you to help fund a project. It, yeah. And there's usually something that you get back. I, that reminds me of a, a time in my life were where you, I was surrounded. No, where I knew a lot of people and I was surrounded by a lot of people that had startups. Oh. I'm like, oh. Not another startup. I'm like, if all these startups start, we wouldn't have half of the problems we have in this world. But somehow we still have them. Was that when startups before they became entrepreneurs? No, now everybody's an entrepreneur. And now, now back then it was, oh, I have a startup. Now it's, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> what, what are you entrepreneuring? A Herbalife. <laughs> I sell, you know, remember in the 80s that you, people used to sell Tupperware? Amway. Amway. Those, well, those were entrepreneurs. Um, uh, what's a pro- uh, Avon? Avon. The Avon, Avon lady was tremenda. Uh, Marike. Uh, 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 Jaffra. Jaffra. Jaffra was even older. Jaffra. Was, oh my god, that was, that was in was the eighties. It was. It was makeup as well. My. We had a relative. My family used to sell. Those were all entrepreneurs. No, 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 no. Everybody's an entrepreneur now. Oh, I'm, Listen, I'm, everybody's got to hustle. We're know? entrepreneurs. We started Listen, a podcast. We are. <laughs> Listen, this is our hustle. This is our entrepreneurship. Hey, it's such a hard word to say. Entrepreneur? Well, like, not entrepreneur, but like, we're entrepreneurial. More than supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Yeah, because I feel like more people used to say that. You grow up hearing that. So, you know, it's easier rules off the top. No, what's what's hard to say is diverticulitis. <laughs> but I can't say it in English. Diverticulitis. Diverticulitis. Yes. But diverticulitis? Diverticulitis. Rolls off no. the tongue. Diverticulitis. Right. But diverticulitis. Have you had diverticulitis today? Well, no, I haven't, but <laughs> once you have it, you never really get rid of it. <laughs> so anyway, so what's going on with Trump this week? Dun, 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 in our Trump corner. <laughs> I don't know. You don't know? Is something going on with Trump? There's always something going on with Trump. but I, I, Quite but possibly the biggest disaster of his presidency happened this week, which... That bar was already... No, good, like, no, this is this is bad. What is it? He said he's pulling um, the troops, American troops, out of Syria with the Kurds. Wait. Okay, so the Kurds. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the Kurds have been allies. The Kurds are a a group of specific um, sect of people Mm -hmm. in Syria. And the Kurds were instrumental Mm -hmm. in... The U.S.'s um, defeat or bringing down of ISIS. Okay. Instrumental. The, the Americans went over there. They gave them weapons. They trained them. They told them what to do. But very little American actual force was in, you know, on the ground. Okay. The Kurds fought for the Americans. Okay. Basically, right. we, taught, we trained them and then right. sent them. Okay. And they did. Okay. And they were very faithful. And they 
pretty much were the ones who beat ISIS okay. and got them out of Syria. Well, this week, Trump, for no reason, because nobody heard, saw this coming, for no reason said, oh, I'm going to pull um, the Americans, the soldiers, out of uh, that part of Syria. Which, in essence, means mm -hmm. because Turkey wants to get rid of the Kurds. Okay. They want to, like, disseminate them, them okay. right? Which pretty much means that now the Kurds, our allies, mm -hmm. are going to be left... On their own. To be slaughtered. Shit. And they already have, have been because Turkey already started to invade the area mm -hmm. um, where the Kurds are at in, in Syria. Turkey okay. already started to throw bombs and trying to invade and all that because they want a 22-mile buffer zone between um, Syria and Turkey. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows why Trump said did this. Nobody saw this coming. There was nothing that was on the table right now that we were discussing foreign policy with Syria. Right, right, right. No, no. It just he just, just got up that day and said, "You know what? Today, today, oi." And that is going to cause huge ramifications, not only because we left these people to be slaughtered, mm -hmm. but now that's going to send a chilling effect to other groups of people that we cannot be trusted. Has he, I mean, again, has he given any? No, 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 because people say that's a good idea. There's many people who are very happy with me with doing this. When, mind you, even people in the Republican Party, like Lindsey Graham, who, you know, mm -hmm. has been right now his, like, butthole cleaner. Like, you know, he licks his butthole clean. It's um, so hard. I mean, outside from that guy in Florida who eats ass, it's so hard to find a butthole cleaner. I mean, even Lindsey Graham called him out on it. And there's, there's no reason. There's, there's got to be a reason. We just don't know it yet. No, there's no reason. No, 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 no. You don't understand what I'm saying. There's got to be a reason. Oh, oh, probably investments or something, something like that that he has exactly. in Turkey. I'm, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm so tired of all this drama. Well, you brought it up. <laughs> well, you know, we are, but, you know, we are talking, a, a recording a podcast <laughs> episode. Excuse me. I, I mean. I'm tired about it. I'm like, well, you brought it up, Mary J. <laughs> I mean, okay, yes, but it's something relevant that's going on. And hence, we bring on relevant topics on our show. This is true. Okay, do you, do you want us to talk about how, you know, on the 15th is the tax extension deadline? Because we could talk about that if I you want. We should. So okay, so, so October 15th is the tax extension. Yeah, it's a tax ex um, extension deadline. Is everybody ready? Are you tax ready? <laughs> Let's talk talk about that have you gone to hr hnr block i don't go to hnr block my dad does my taxes okay have you gone to your you know it's just father you know appointments now can you imagine just like an influx of business oh i tell me something funny well i can tell you about my experience on the plane over here on the trip that still hasn't happened. The trip that, that hasn't happened, but it's I, I have no experience because I just fell asleep <laughs> for all five hours out. and I just woke up there like, sir, please put your seat up front, you know, back up because we're landing. And I'm like, we are? <laughs> but I we had, just left. I, I did not fall asleep because I was actually, I was, I was uh, working on this on Of course you episode. are. I was working on this week's episode. So it was a father and a, and a child. And then on the other side of the aisle was the mother and another child. And so, you know, the kid's there, like, fine, whatever. The kid has eaten, like, it has taken him, like, three hours to eat one slice of pizza that they, I don't know where they pulled it out from because I didn't see a Ziploc bag or anything. But they were anything. eating it on the plane? Yeah. Oh. No, but just, like, a slice. It wasn't even, like, a pizza. It was, like, a slice. 
So then, fine, whatever. So then, I would kicked him in the jeans. But well, go ahead. No, but the kid was like three or four. What, what was I going to kick him in the jeans? Really? So okay, fine. So he's eating the pizza. Then all of a sudden, I start to smell like cigote. Mm-hmm. The kid had taken his shoes off. Mm-hmm. Then the other kid comes over and decides that she's going to take a nap, and so she's basically sprawls out and like starts kicking me with her feet, only to then wake up and turn to me and cough all over me. So, so these were the ones behind you? No, these are the ones on next to me in oh. in my aisle. <laughs> oh. Well. And then out of nowhere, the father took out another slice of pizza for himself. You should have just <laughs> fallen asleep like I did. You know that I have a really big problem with that. I love falling asleep on planes, but it got to the point, if I don't fall asleep like at the beginning of the flight, I don't fall asleep. I have a really big problem with people that eat on on planes. Really? Yes, I do. Depends what it is. If you're eating a donut, I don't care. (laughs) Right? But yes, I do. Because if you're going in a confined space that's pressurized, (laughs) you know, okay, you know, Beverly, maybe it's not the best thing to have the garlic rolls from Sparrow (laughs) that you bought at the food court on the plane. No. Did I tell you that one time that somebody behind me was eating a freaking bagel and lox sandwich with onions? And on top of that, they took the onions out. Okay. So... Why didn't you just tell them to leave the onions off? So, Sandra, you know, <laughs> who ordered the lox on her bagel, maybe that's not the best thing you should be eating on in a cabin that is pressurized. You know? Have a Lunchable. Maybe you don't order the tuna salad, Skyler. Have fruit. Have a donut. Have a pita. Don't have hummus. Hummus has garlic. I put hummus. Hummus doesn't bother me. Hummus no, but hummus smell. has a little bit of a sniff. Of, no, but I have a really big problem with it. Like, I have a problem. No, no. There was one. Okay. There was one because I remember I was, I think I was flying out of Boston because in, in Logan, there's legal seafood, which is like. Um, that should be illegal. No, no. Legal seafood is a restaurant chain in in like the Boston okay, area. But it should be illegal okay. to have a seafood thing. And, and they have right. they have a restaurant in Logan. And she was having like a tuna patty melt on the plane, which looked very delicious, by the way. <laughs> but I'm like, but how? Like how? You're t- the I I am the person. I've told you how considerate I am on planes. Which you know everybody would be like, look at that motherfucker there. I don't even recline my seat. You don't? I don't recline my seat. The only time I recline my seat if like the person behind me is like a kid, you know, who like doesn't right, fully take right. up the space, I will recline my seat. If there's an adult, I do not recline my seat. Yeah, you are considerate. I am considerate because when they recline my seat in front of me, I got so upset. Like those people that at the moment they're like, oh, you could now turn on your blah, blah, blah. And it's like, bomb. I'm like, you mother trucker. It's like now I'm going to get up to the bathroom really obnoxiously and bump into your reclined, you know, seat back. <laughs> and then when I get back, you know, I'm going to be like holding your seat back. Like, oh, I need to adjust myself, you know, because it's like, come on, have some consideration. Yes. Can you recline your seat all the way back? Yes. Are you technically allowed? Yes. But there's something called consideration. So listeners out there, if you are the type that throws your seat back, we're going to have problems. Consideration is a foregone conclusion nowadays, quite honestly. You think so? Oh, my God. Okay. So so, we just jumped all over Ellen for being kind. I know, right? (laughs) So I think that on our way back, because we're taking the same flight back, I think we should get the garlic rolls from Sparrow. (laughs) I'm going to ask them to put extra, like, Anchovies, yeah, uh, yeah, no garlic, Sardines. extra garlic. No, 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 but yeah, para rematar. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, get I don't know something with like chili sauce or something. <laughs> Bien así, robust, 
being robust. Oh, robust. That's a great word, right? That's a great word. <laughs> so, so yes, everybody, we have a treat for you guys next week and the week after. It's going to be a series of episodes. Yeah, it's, it's, Pero it's let me tell you, goes west. Yes, dun, dun, dun. Hooray uh, you... for Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood. I don't know the rest of the song, the lyrics. Do you know the lyrics? Hooray for Hollywood. <laughs> Well, it's not. Do you remember the episode of Different Strokes when they came to Hollywood? I don't. <laughs> oh my god, that was huge. I don't remember that one yeah. at all. Like, when they come to Hollywood? Like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay, well. Uh, well, you know who's not in Hollywood, but he spent a lot of time out here in Los Angeles? King. This week's guest? King. Legendary record executive, music producer, songwriter, singer. I mean, I'm sure he also plays the marimba. Rudy Perez. Yes. Now, I'm going to tell you guys up front, it's a rather lengthy chat, but it's well worth it. Yeah, I mean, this, this guy's guy, an icon. Yeah, I mean, he's worked I mean, he's worked with Beyonce, with Christina Aguilera, Mark Anthony, La India, um, Jose Jose, who had just passed. I mean, all the greats. I mean, this man is like... Legit. I mean, he's worked with all the legends, and you know he's become one himself. Yeah. And something I really would like to say about him, because um, here on our show, and we've kind of said this before... Ever since we started, we've we've uh, shared with you guys that we like to contact you know people, whether they're celebrities, influencers, whatever, to invite them on our show. And you know, some people don't give us the time of day because they think they're you know hot above it all and like don't even respond to our texts. But then some do, and we've found (laughs) maybe it's a pattern that generally the people that are very well accomplished that are you know stars themselves i mean freaking juan pablo de pachi gave us you know and the the guys on netflix on fuller house on netflix he He played jesus Jesus. he was on dallas he was on dancing with the stars i mean the man gave us an interview the day before his birthday you know and he stopped everything he was doing to give us an interview i mean yeah but the, the reason i'm stating that is because Rudy. Invite him and his wife invited us to their home, to their magnificent home in the beach, in Miami Beach, and they made us feel so welcome. And we did the interview from his recording studio. I mean, where the magic happens. Yeah, it's the best sounding episode. They were so hospitable, you know, so um, and they were so kind. And like, here's this like award winning, like world class producer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but then other people who are influencers and have you know uh, twenty thousand followers won't return our text. So it's like whatever. Anyway, yes. Now I'm being catty. Oh my god, you get very catty at almost three in the morning. <laughs> no, no, East Coast. It's no, no. It's three o'clock in the morning, East Coast. That's what I'm. I'm going I to Anyway, well, no, everybody. We hope you enjoy our our chat with Rudy Enjoy. And welcome back, listeners. So as we said, we are here with one of the most, I'm just going to go ahead and say it because you're in front of me, legendary, iconic producers in the yeah. music industry. <laughs> Keep adding the adjectives. <laughs> it, it, can only, it can only make it better, right? The one, the only, Rudy Perez. Thank Man. you so much for joining us. Thank so. you for being on. But let me tell you. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. So you. You guys don't know how, uh, how when I hear that kind of stuff, it, it humbles me because, you know, um, back back in there was a time in my life where i was completely broke i had nowhere to go I had nowhere to live 
I practically lived under a console in a recording studio, uh, you know, on a mattress that I had under the console. And, and to hear you guys, you know, say legendary and, you know, great and all that stuff that people tell me, it humbles me because I never thought I would get to this point, especially growing up in the hood, yeah. you know, in Liberty City, Alapara, all the chaos that I, that I went through my life. It's surreal when people call me, you know, and I know the book is a beautiful book, but the Latin hit maker, the Latin hit maker is kind of a sensation, sensationalist kind of title that, that but my, it's not it's a lie. <laughs> it's not a lie. But, I you mean. know, it humbles me because I never I, I never did anything to win an award. I never did anything to, I didn't even know you got paid until somebody <laughs> came to me and said, hey, are you very wealthy? And I go, well, no, I'm kind of broke. And, 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 and they said, you know, there's a lot of money out there that has your name on it and nobody's collecting it. Do you even oh, yeah, know that I just read that publishing? In your book. And, and I said, really? And he goes, yeah. And if you allow me, I'll, I'll charge you 10% and I'll go get your money. And I know you've had doubts about signing contracts, but hey, if you believe in me, I'll go out. And, and this was Mr. Norman Stolman, and God rest his soul. I still pray for him every day because this guy, as soon as I started making, you know, I went from making, I think, $300 a week to $300,000 a month. Jiminy Christmas. <laughs> wow. And then all of a sudden, you know, I started living larger and buying bigger home and nicer cars and... And you know, la buena vida. It, it wasn't la buena vida. No, no, it wasn't the, just the the van. You know, it was the van with like you know all the decked out yeah. you know, spoilers and all. Well, you worked hard. I mean, as we sit Damn here right. in your beautiful studio and your Which, beautiful thank home, you. our our oh. podcast has never sounded better than it will for this interview. I mean, we're by in the, the studio, yeah. so, so there's no reverb in here, um, and we're sitting around this you know all these platinum and gold records yeah, I mean, and all that. Christina Aguilera, Mark Anthony, Chayang. I mean, well, I'm so grateful that you guys are here. I really am. You know that when I. First, my my first when I earned the money in, in, enough to buy a brand new BMW, I went to Bremen on Biscayne mm -hmm. Boulevard. You know, where I when my gang I used to go and steal the hood caps. You know, <laughs> back in the back in How the things day. change. Huh? That was a full circle moment, <laughs> yeah. right? So, yeah. so all of a sudden, here I was. You know, okay, I can go buy a car. You know, I have like fifty thousand dollars cash, and I can go and buy a car. And I went in there and I bought the car, and I walked out. Yeah, I drove uh, drove out of the lot, and I was, I was so. I don't know. I can't even explain it. I I, I almost like, what? You, this is you, this is not. You're not supposed to have that car. I almost felt like I didn't deserve the car, mm -hmm. and I drove back to my old neighborhood. And when I got out out of that neighborhood, after driving around it, I said, you know what? You deserve. You earned it. Yeah, you deserve it. Now, you worked hard now, for that. Since you're speaking of of your childhood and all that. In reading your your book, the Latin Hitmaker, um, I didn't know that you were a Pedro Pan. Mm. I wasn't a no, Pedro Pan. I almost became you a Pedro Pan. Oh. You came during that time. Yeah, I came in 1969, What would you say? Because they find that people that immigrated during that time, especially children, mm -hmm. have been incredibly successful. Looking back on it, yeah. What would you say? That has been the case of because again, I mean, you a legendary, you know, um, producer and songwriter, and there's so many people that are like CEOs, you know, mm -hmm. that came in that Armando first Colina. wave. Came in that first wave. What what can you say about that? That or what do you think is in terms of that? Why that happened? The uh, people develop 
a certain drive through through adversity and 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 uh, you know this this was horrific if you think about it a young kid being taken from his family place uh, through the catholic church with a family they don't even know in Iowa See? until yeah, yeah. maybe one day you get to see your parents yeah. again that that was very i remember armando codina mm -hmm. uh saying a speech at the uh, at the uh ceo organization which is the ypo and ceo organizations mm -hmm. where about 450 uh ceos and chairmen of fortune 500 and 600 companies from around the world and they came to miami and you know uh th this lady who used to own specs uh, record stores oh we remember uh, but yeah. i forgot <laughs> you know and leaf and and my friend um uh leonard abbas who used to own city national bank mm -hmm who now lives in uh, Sylvester Stallone's house next to Biscaya. Oh, wow. And, you know, he's he's probably the wealthiest guy here in Miami. And, and, you know, you may remember his name because he did something extraordinary that, that I, I thought it was so brilliant. And I remember right after he did it, and by the way, he didn't make it public. It leaked out, so he had no choice to come out and say because he did it anonymously, which is even more great. He sold his bank to Spain to uh, to this big group. And he took the windfall of his personal gain, which was like $70 million, and gave it to his employees. Oh, wow. Including people that had been retired for 30, 40 years. Oh, wow. So he was that. that and I remember Obama, when he, he did his first, um, the State of the Union, when he did that, he actually had Leonard stand up and say, you know, in a world of crooked, you know, executives right. like Bernie Madoff, here's a guy. That right still has thing. a heart and, you know, and, mm -hmm. and does these uh, remarkable things. And I got to be with him the week after mm -hmm. because a dear friend of ours, Sandy Muss, who used to own the Fountain Blue Hotel, threw a party and he was invited. So we're walking around and, and I said, Leonard, man, I, I wish I had that kind of money to be able to do those things. You know, it really, yeah. that, that must feel so good. And he goes, Rudy, you know, we, my family and I have more money that we can think of for the rest of our history to come yeah you know we're we're billionaires and my dad built this bank and i and, and all those tellers that i compensated i was a toddler walking around their legs mm -hmm. and when they were cashiers you know yeah. and so these people are my family and since i had got cancer he told me he said you know that changed all my 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 perspectives in life i decided to really focus on the small but really large things like when my kid is going to play, that deal has to wait. I'm going to go see my kid play. Mm -hmm. When one of my orchids, because he plants orchids, and he says it just opens up for like 10 seconds yeah. in, in one year, you know, I got to be there to see that. That's more important than the $100 million the deal. The small things. The small things. Yeah. That's what really and matters at the end of the day. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. Yeah, and so I, I will say I think one of the one of the most interesting things is you know you, you seem just very like down to earth and cool, but you also seem like somebody who just kind of said you know what this is the opportunity in front of me let me mm -hmm. go for it like when you you dropped out of high school yeah. to pursue your your dream of of being a musician with your band and you know you guys went yeah. out through I think it was what it was uh, I want to say Flanagan's Flanagan's lounges Flanagan's yeah. lounges which big is, daddies again if you're from South Florida and you don't have a green Flanagan's <laughs> you know, you are know. you even from Miami are you because you're an imposter if you don't have one absolutely at least two one at your job and one at your house I still dine in oh, Flanagan's right in, in right here in, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. at Surfside yeah yeah I, I, all the time. I basically dine there like twice a, twice a week 
I yeah, love the ribs. Food. I love the ribs. I mean, yeah, people are like Flanagan's. I'm like, yo, it's some good <laughs> ribs and some good that's chicken. That's right. I, you know, and, and so I think that's kind of key. I think maybe, and again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, you know, having come from Cuba and having to start over, you're like, you know what, this is a shot. This is an opportunity. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to yeah. take it. And luckily, your parents were encouraging in mm-hmm. that sense. Because yes. I can just imagine my parents if I would be like, I'm going to quit school and go become <laughs> a musician. They'd be like, ¿Qué tú vas a hacer qué? <laughs> um, Also, I can't play any instruments or sing. So it would be really weird if I was going to go and do that. You, you know, know uh, with, with, with I, I, I remember my parents desperately trying to get me out of Cuba. My dad had been in prison for like five, six years mm-hmm. in uh, Taco uh, Taco. Uh, preso, uh, preso Político, preso right? Preso Político. My dad, you know, when he, my dad died, the most uh, curious thing, this guy shows up in his funeral little guy I'd never met in my entire life. And I walked up to him and I said, hi, how are you doing? Can I help you? And he, and he goes, uh, I'm here to pay respects to your dad. Mm-hmm. And you don't know me, but I got to tell you, when, when I was um, an anti-Batista, uh, you know, uh, soldier and, and, and sided with Fidel in the, in, in the hills and, and um, I finally got caught. Your dad was the teniente that, that of the the wing of the of the prison that we were in and we were 25 men in this cell in one cell in one wow. cell and he said there was a guy and i can't remember his name he was one of the big 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 dark thugs of fidel castro mm-hmm. he would come and burn us menocal menocal somebody like that name sí. like that menocal i think and he would and he would burn us alive take our skin out i mean this guy would torture, torture us, yeah. and and he said, your dad, even though he was on their side, and he was the lieutenant guarding the, right. he would bring us medicine. Wow. He would bring us food, and he would, we survived because of your dad. And he says, and years later, when I turned against Fidel, when I found out he was a communist, right. And as an anti-revolutionary, your dad and I were in Taco Taco in prison for five years. Wow. wow. So I am here to pay honor to him because he was a great man. And that made me feel so good because, you know, my dad and I had a, a strange relationship. I, I never heard him say I love you to me until when I turned 38 years old that I had gotten all these gifts. My uh, that, that year I was so successful and they showered me with like overwhelming amount of gifts. Right. And so I had a room about this size, full from the floor to the top of boxes of gifts. And I mean, uh, immense amount. And so I'd never opened it for like almost a year. They just sat there. They just sat there. And one Sunday, Betsy says to me, my wife, hey, why don't we open the gifts today? And I said, okay, this is the day. I started opening gifts, boxes, and beautiful things, you know, from friends. All of a sudden, I come across a, a, a card and I open it up and it was my father telling me that the greatest thing that ever happened to me was me being bored. Oh, wow. And he told me so many things and, and, and that I remember just for an hour just crying and crying because I, I, I had never heard him say that in my entire life. He was a military guy. He was a, you know, I remember their desperation trying to figure out a way to get me out before I turned 12 years old. Because yeah, at 12 years old, yeah. you yeah. go to the military. Yeah. Yeah. And that was it. And my and a, a kid, a friend of, friend of ours in the neighborhood, had gone to Angola at 12 years old and gotten killed. When we were able to get out, 
and come to the United States, that was incredible. But but, but the challenges began when we, when we got to freedom. Imagine well, coming to America and being thrown into the school system without knowing the language. Right. Yeah. How how would you say that from your dad being in the military and going through all that and you know the trauma that you had how would you say that affected especially initially those first few years did it give you like a driving force to succeed or did it just traumatize you so much that you kind of were like numb or idle i was numb and uh, totally idle i mean i mean, i i to this day i can't even tell you who are my, my teachers uh, occasionally I, I bump into somebody and says, hey, Rudy, I went to, to junior high with you. You remember me? I, we were, And I don't remember anybody's. Like I blacked out all that part of my life. First of all, it was an agony for me, school, because I, I knew what I was supposed to do. I, I, I was born to make music, and that's all I wanted to do from an early age. So school to me was a waste of my time. Every time I could skip school, I would do it. I was a sponge of information in music. I remember we used to skip school and go to my, my friends' houses and, and just sit there and, and listen to all the bands, but I would listen different than my friends. My mm -hmm. friends were talking, and I was just listening to the, to the musicianship and, the, and everything that was in the nuances. of. I was listening to that while everybody was just listening to the singer. And I was always a freak of credit, so I would read the credits. Actually, that's something that I actually <laughs> underlined in your book. There's a part here in the chapter of the 10-year overnight success, which I thought was a great name for the chapter, that you said, I could tell you who played what instrument on every major <laughs> record that was released. Yeah. Because I knew who's the who's who of recording. That's right. That I really, was, like, struck me. That I was a everybody. freak. I was a freak. As, as a matter of fact, it helped me out when I... When I um, when I uh, went to uh, to work with Jose Feliciano, because he, you know, he tells me, do you have any idea what you want to do with the production? And I said, Jose, I, you know, I know the musicians that I would like to call here in L.A. Like who? And I said, well, you know, um, Abe, Abe Laboriel on bass, um, Vinny Caliura on drums, Luis Conte on percussion, uh, Paulinho da Costa on percussion, you know, and I started David Foster and I started calling all these names and he goes, how do you know all these names? I go, well, I, I listened to the records and I and I found out the, they're the guys that are playing on all these hits. Right. And and he said, wow, you know your stuff, you know. So it, it was like it was uh, it was to me, it, it helped me tremendously to be a credit freak. Yeah. You know, yeah. well, I, I will say that that's amazing because even back, I mean, back then, even for us, we're we're big music people and to this day we lament the fact that everything is streaming I now know, man. mostly because we would love to look at the booklet the yes, liner notes and absolutely. we worked on it but I feel nowadays people occasionally still know some producers have you know certain names are sure. back in our day and your day yep. you really had oh, to man. the look, album covers right? yeah you had to seek it out it yep. wasn't you know maybe the occasional you know people knew you know Phil Spector okay you know like the occasional but it wasn't as commonplace as it is now yeah it's a it's a different world you know and and now Spotify, who is uh, our sponsor at the Latin Songwriters Hall of Fame this year again, um, they've they've kind of put lyrics now and they're starting to yep. give a little mm -hmm. bit of credits. But yeah, it's nothing like those days, so you know. Great. Those days, I'm I'm so glad. And I and, and you know I, when I go out and speak in front of kids and young you know students and universities and everywhere, I always tell them, look, be curious, man, about the past because that's where the stuff is at. Yeah, the absolutely. things that have been overlooked in yeah. the past, not with the best next big thing. Learn from them. Yeah, yeah. like Bruno it. Mars. Look at Bruno Mars. Kicked everybody's butt. 
and he did a doo-wop album. <laughs> he did a doo-wop album, essentially. I, I think there was there's something to be said when you would buy a CD or a record and you would open it and read all the notes and yep. from the lyrics to, again, the credits and all that. There, there's something to that while you were listening to it. I mean, I know times change, but this guy right here is buying his old CD collection now in vinyl. <laughs> now in vinyl is kind of making a like surfacing, should, yeah. It should be like, in my day. You know, Actually, like some some, something I want to touch upon that you uh, briefly mentioned in the book, and I thought it was sign of the times. I was kind of, I, I wasn't too surprised that you mentioned that there was a moment, I th- I'm not sure if it was your record company or, or management, that they changed your name uh, yeah. in, in, in the credits. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, there was a time in my, in my life where I was um, a, a top, recording session guy you know i would do background vocals on everybody's records a and, beautiful voice that's and why thank I do. you, you and, absolutely do and i would do like you know all these jingles and so i was like the number one call guy john sakala always tells the story when you you he wouldn't have a career if it wasn't because rudy got sick and recommended me <laughs> because uh I, you know i was the guy the first call and so John was just coming out of school, and so he, I started making him a, my second background vocalist. And uh, but there, there was a time where I did that a lot. Yeah. And and uh, this guy, there was a top guy here in town. Um, he uh, he had like this this whole magazine, this music magazine, and he was a he was a guy that was a really you know creepy guy, uh, Mr. Facone, and and he. Uh, basically calls me up one day and says, hey, I want to hire you. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's talking about you. I heard your voice, and I, lo- I love it, and I want to hire you to do uh, 10 songs, demos, of uh, Francisco or Fernando Lecona. Fernando Lecona was the, the, the nephew or the grandson of Ernesto Lecuona, the legendary Cuban composer. Mm-hmm. I said, sure, yeah, I'll sing anything. You pay me, I'll sing anything. So I, I, I got to the place, the recording studio, and they told me, here's the, the songs you got to learn. And so I hear the songs, and they're like boleros, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, besame, besame mucho. Okay, like standards you know? almost. Standards, you know. So I, I said, cool. And they go, yeah, but one thing, we need you to sing. Um, like if you were an American singing in Spanish with the accent. Mm-hmm. Like, besame, besame mucho, como si fuera esta noche. So I said, okay. And the guy goes, I'm going to give you $2,500. At that time, that was like $2 million for me. You know? At that time, give me $2,500 now. I'll sing Chinese if you want. I think that's harder than it sounds like to sound credible. Yeah, yeah that's Without true. Without sounding, you know, like forced, a parody, yeah. You know? So I basically, you know, I just, uh, I said, okay, whatever you guys want. You know, so I sang all the songs like that with an accent. So I get my check. I walk away just like another client, another jingle, and I move on. Two weeks later, I get a call from the guy, Facone, and goes, Hey, I want you to come. I want to give you a great surprise. Come to the office. I got something for you. Now, mind you, this guy, back in the day when I was starting out and starting a family and everything, I used to write songs for the guy, and he would put his name on them. So I would sell it to them. Typical to old, him. old music. Yeah, kind of I, would, yeah. I would say, you know, I would call him and, and say, Hey, how you doing today? Yeah, great. What's going on? <laughs> hey, check this song you wrote, out, you wrote today. Hang on. Let me play it for you. <laughs> and, and and I would play him the song and the guy would say I love it I love it I go can I come over and get a check 
Sure, and I would go over and he would give me 200 250 dollars. Wow, and I would sell him the song. Yeah. And he would sign, yeah, I would sign something that said I gave up all the rights to the song. He, I was used to his ways in a way, right, right? So he gave me my money, I walked away. So when he called me, he says, I have a big surprise for you, you got to come in. So I go back in two weeks later, and he's there, and he's got this, you know, artist like uh, you know, uh, Lienzo uh, covered up you know, with, with like some cloth, uh, like a sheet. And he goes, you ready for this? And I go, okay, well, what's going on? And he goes, check this out. And he opens up the thing, and there's an album cover of me sitting, a picture that he had taken in one of the million parties in his house that I was just sitting there smoking a cigarette with, a, and, and, and his assistant came and says, hey, Rudy, that's a great picture with the sun, <laughs> with the sun coming down. Let me take a picture of you. The, the, the cover said David Bass. Now, I look at this cover and I go, what is this, David Bass? And he goes, yeah, that's your new name. David Bass is a tremendous gringo. <laughs> <laughs> that's your new name. And you're going to, and, and by the way, in about 10 minutes, there's these two super executives that are coming in. You're now their artist and their label. You're now David Bass. I'm now <laughs> David Bass. By the way. <laughs> and, I go, and I go, okay, uh, uh, wow. And, you know, I was eager to please. You know, I was a young guy. I was starting out. Uh, I was trying to do anything to get yeah, yeah, noticed. And, an you aspiring know. musician. Yeah. I mean. And so this was an opportunity. And, he, and they said, look, Fulano de Tal is not, that's not his real name. You know, Tony Curtis is not Tony Curtis. And he, they threw all these names. Mm-hmm. Eh, it's common that's, that's we, true. The people change their names, you know. And, and I said, yeah, but I'm not comfortable with his accent stuff. I, I, you know, and, well, you just play it a little bit and then you learn Spanish fluently. And then all of a sudden, wow. you, you know, <laughs> later you come, hey, it's a miracle. It's yeah. a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> the epitome of the Rosetta Stone. <laughs> wow. Wow. So I, I, I tr- sure enough, Ten minutes later, these two guys walk in and they introduce themselves and they said, you know, we love having you in our label. You're our, you're our first star and we're launching you and we're sending you to Puerto Rico next week to do promotion. And you can't speak any Spanish <laughs> when you're no, over Because you're single. Your single is being played right now on the radio in Puerto Rico and it's starting to create a big buzz. So they so had already like they had marketed already, yeah. you. You I, had no idea this was even I happening. I had no idea this was happening. So we were you supposed to go there and be like, hola, Puerto Rico. <laughs> yes. Yo soy David Bass. Yes. Yes. I actually, I actually got there. And and I had a, a I had a guy that I, I had his assistant that was with me almost like my road manager, and we get to Puerto Rico and we're do, doing all these interviews and he's telling me, you gotta exaggerate the accent, make make sure you sound more American, sound more American, you gotta exaggerate like it, and and I was like, oh like qué tal me gusta mucho Puerto Rico is muy lindo, and 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 I'm you know and these people are, are and then one day I just had a nervous breakdown in the middle of an interview. And I said, you know what? Hell no, this is not happening anymore. I, you know, I went hood on them. I, I, I remember my years in the gang and everything. I said, okay, you know what? Screw you guys. You know, I, I'm done with this. This is a lie. My name is Rudy Perez. I'm not a David Bass. And I got on a plane and left everybody and I came back here. So I immediately I, I got off the plane. I went to see him and I said, we're done. We're done. Oh, you're going to be sued and everything. You're going to get, you, you better get a good lawyer. I said, okay, no worries, you know. They could sue David Bass. No, I said, <laughs> I, I said to him, I remember saying, I, I remember saying to him, okay, I will send ten of my gang members over. <laughs> they will kill you. You understand me, my that, friend? That's my legal counsel. <laughs> is that like old school? 
and that was it, you know. He gave me a release, and so I said, no more. I'm never going to lie again. If an artist is not true, if an artist is just a copy or an imitation or something that they're not, he's not a real true artist. For good or bad, I'm Rudy Perez. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to be. But who else can you be? Yeah, exactly. You know, if you're writing about your experiences, like... And imagine you thinking friends of yours are watching this yeah, interview and they're, they're going, is like, he hey, insane? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and I said, said, okay, I'm not that desperate to make it, you know, and, and I was out. You know, so it was a lot of adversity in my youth. Those you know, first few years. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really insane. And so, you know, um, um, I always say that it, uh, that that uh, you have to respect uh, the the way you're brought up in a way because uh, even though we didn't have anything, we had good values and good morals, you know, good codes that our parents had instilled in us. You know, my mom always told me, be kind, right. help people, love people, be humble. Right. You know, you, you you're not bigger than God. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's good. It's a it's good advice. Always, it's, always be humble and 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 floored when you stay in fr stand in front of the ocean and look at it. Mm -hmm. And till this day, I get up every morning at six o'clock in the morning. I walk right over to the beach, and I look at the ocean and I pray and I and I see the greatness of that, and to realize that God is even bigger than the ocean. Yeah, and you that's know? vast already. I mean, you know the story. Also, going to another chapter in my book, for years God has been working mm -hmm. on my soul uh, you know and i've always been a little rebel <laughs> i've never been that religious well, i've you, never you, you work in the music industry rock and roll they're secular very secular right? but you know it's i've never been the guy that goes to church every every even though my dad and my my grandfather were pastors yeah i would never go like every sunday right. i've never been that guy you know i've always i've been dealing with the most you know atheist people in the, <laughs> in the world my entire life you know so so I, it, it, and those it, are the good ones. So my my relationship with God has always been almost like childlike. You know, I always call it childlike. I I respect, I love God, and it's always been in my life. And when I I, I really need Him, I call out for Him. And but I know that for years He's been He's been calling me, you know, to serve. Mm -hmm. And my dad, before he passed away, he said to me, "You need to work for the Lord." He gave you everything you need to work for him. And all of a sudden, all these things are happening right now in my life that are these huge Christian projects that are right. coming my way. And recently, that's what I've been doing. I've been doing all these projects that are like, that I had nothing to do. It just They just landed on my lap. And so in this part of the book where I first really got to know God was when, when I talked my wife Betsy into having an abortion of our first mm -hmm. son. Oh yeah! Wow. And let me tell you, that was that was a heavy chapter. That was a heavy chapter. Well, I had I had gone through a really hard experience. At 18 years old, I met this girl in L.A. You know, really nice Cuban girl. I had been traveling with the band for a lot of years, and she was a very sweet Cuban girl. Uh, the first night I met her, she was having her birthday at, at yeah. Big Daddy's lounges. And so, you know, we played happy birthday for her and the band. And, and she had her friends there. And they invited her, uh, us, the whole band, at, at like 1 o'clock in the morning to their home. And their grandmother, Cubanita, and everybody, they cooked an incredible Cuban meal for us. Ah, no. At that of time. Of course. At so that we time, were, sure. you know, we had been traveling for three years. We hadn't eaten Cuban food. So it was oh. like an incredible. 
So I knew she liked me and I liked her, I, but not to the point where I was going to marry. I didn't. Right, I was an right. 18-year-old kid. I did. See, you're so starting. all of a sudden she gets pregnant, mm -hmm. and you know, and she comes to me and tells me she no she 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 uh, you know I go to my mom and I say mom she's gotten pregnant and right. I don't know what's going to happen. My mom says you have to marry that girl, and I said mom, but you know I'm. I'm 18. I don't know. Yeah, come yeah. on. And she goes, you're going to marry that girl because you won't. You don't have a mother. Okay? Si no tienes, si no te casas con ella, tú no tienes una madre. And I said. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. my mom if I don't marry this girl so I went back and I told her that I wanted to marry her and, and I married her right. and we tried everything possible but it just didn't work out so when I finally left uh, you know I meet Betsy I started praying I said God I want a girl like this like that describe the girl how I wanted her to be I wanted her to be American I wanted her to be blonde I wanted her to have either green or blue eyes I wanted her to be a sweetheart. I wanted her to be like an angel that, I, that, that was around my age because the girl I was with uh, and the mother of my daughter, Jenny, was a little older than me. Like, And I said, I want a girl that's kind of around my age range or younger. Mm -hmm. So Betsy's five years younger than I am. So... Um, I'm sure she's going to love the fact that you just gave her age out, by the way. <laughs> just <laughs> but, but basically, she, uh, she uh, you know, uh, I met Betsy, and my life changed, and, and I never wanted to be... Be careful what you wish for, well, because yeah. having met Betsy, yeah, yeah, it's like you got... You, you got ex I was going to say, we just we met Betsy, you got answered every single one, check, 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 and check. And by the way, she uh, we've been married 36 years. We just, we just uh, did our anniversary, and Betsy... We've never been apart from each other, and 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 you know, uh, but when she got pregnant, when Betsy got pregnant, I was so still with that whole thing that had gone in my head, you know, and everything, and and so I said, you know, we we, we can't have this baby. You got to have an abortion. Mm -hmm. The poor thing, she was crying and everything, but I talked her into doing it, mm -hmm. and we went to a clinic. There's about 25 girls in the in in the, in the, in the uh, waiting room. Mm -hmm. And so this nurse comes out and gives Betsy, a, a, you know, something to fill out her information. And so while she was doing that, I said, hey, I'm going to go outside and smoke a cigarette. I used to smoke cigarettes at Benson and Hedges Lights. <laughs> so I went, I went and I sat in my car and I turned on the radio and I'm there smoking my cigarette. All of a sudden, 
everything disappears. The car, my body. Mm -hmm. I knew I was in the light, but this huge light overcomes everybody, everything, everything around us. And I, I, to this day, I get chills because it was like a light you've never seen. This was this was extraterrestrial, bro. Yeah. I mean, this was a different thing. Yeah. Okay. And I was, I knew I was inside that light, mm -hmm. but the light was telling me to stop it. That immediately go in there and stop this. You got to have the sun. Right. And all and and I I, I immediately when it, when I came to, I ran inside. Betsy was being taken at that moment into the thing. I grabbed her, pulled wow. her back, took the, the contract, tore it up. I hugged her and I said, I'm so sorry that I put you through this. But I don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to have this baby. And so for nine months, we prayed. We wanted our son to have blonde hair. We wanted our son to be a boy. We wanted our son to have blue eyes. And if you see my son, Chris... You can't get bluer eyes and blonder, blonder yeah, hair. hair. And let me tell you, and that was the first time that I knew that there is a God. You know, that, that there is some some force. Higher being. Higher being that I call God. And you have four four sons now and, and your daughter yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. my daughter is uh, the editor-in-chief of uh, Indulge, right? Indulge magazine yeah. for the Miami Herald. And, and you have uh, my four boys are brilliant. You know, one is writing a movie. The other one did the Who tour. And works with wow. Beck, and you know, there's the first one that I that oh, okay, your oldest. My, my oldest, oldest yeah. Chris is a genius, but his passion for music is bigger. But he doesn't miss a screening. He lives in L.A., mm -hmm. so he goes to every screening. Okay. Yeah, he goes to everything. He's already told He's me well everything. Well-rounded, well-rounded, yeah. He's well-rounded, and um, and obviously reading your book, you know, ob you know, since we're talking about your faith, uh, that was something that I did notice that time and time again it came upon, even if the the subject or the uh chapter was not faith-based uh, you would talk about how with the christina aguilera project you really wanted but you left it up to god and, exactly and i think even with the beyonce one something that surprised me that i did not know until i read your book was that you worked with uh jackie velasquez yes uh, i i'm not into the christian um you music know world. music world but i am actually a fan of hers she has some beautiful yeah. music right and i was actually very surprise I, I didn't know you were the man behind that it, it when working with her or other christian artists uh, is that something that you purposely go for in terms of the sound because i feel that her music can be interpreted as christian yes or it could be interpreted or not yeah right well what happened is we talk about jackie velasquez i'm glad you brought her up because today she sent me her book and it's so beautiful the packaging i'll show it to you my dad comes. That's my book is is has a lot of faith in it because it's dedicated to my dad, and my dad was you know a minister, and so I I, I wanted him to know that 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 I that I've always believed in God, and and I wanted him to know you know how strong I believed in God, even though I may have not showed it mm -hmm. by going to church every every right. other day, you know, you know Jackie uh, he comes to me one day and he says, hey, uh, you know every Sunday after church. He would come over to my house. If I went one of those rare moments that I went to church, I would go to I would go and then we would go to Carpaccio in Bahara shops because mm -hmm. he loved to eat, you know, the the the, the seafood pasta and mm -hmm. that was his thing, lobster. And so uh, after that, we would normally go back to my house and watch some kind of an action movie 
like James Bond. He loved mm -hmm. the kind of James Bond mm -hmm. films. So one day we're sitting there talking, and he goes, hey, I want you to listen to this. And he hands me a CD. He says, everybody in church is listening to this girl. And she has a beautiful voice. Check her out. I think you'll like her. So I get in my car after I leave him, and I put on, pop on the CD, and it's Jackie Velasquez. I go, wow, it's a beautiful voice in it. Beautiful production, great songs, everything beautiful. And not even seven weeks later, I get a phone call from the chairman of Sony Latin saying, hey, Rudy, um, there's a girl that's very successful, has sold like three million albums in the Christian world, but we want to cross her over into mm -hmm. the mainstream Latin world, and we feel you, you are the guy to produce the record and write the songs. And I said, oh, yeah, what's her name? And they go, Jackie Velasquez. And my dad had given me that CD. Yeah. So it's all connected. Yeah. But somehow I believe God has connected me with all these, all these people. Everybody that I ever admired or, or heard I ended up working with. I would, I would play for Betsy Michael Bolton. I would say, Betsy, listen to this guy. Listen to his inflections. <laughs> wow, listen to him sing Georgia. Man, it's as good as... as, 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 as you know, not quite, but it almost as good <laughs> as as uh, Ray Charles, man. Listen to that. And this guy's incredible. I, I want to work with him one day. And all of a sudden, one day, Michael Bolton called me. And that's been the story of my life because it's almost, you know how they say you put things out? Yeah, yeah out in the yeah. universe. Oh, and, we know. And, you know, if you if you wake up every day, I always tell people, all you have to do to have everything perfect in your life, your health, your business, your success is wake up. The moment you open your eyes is say, thank you, God, for being alive. Is let me tell you, that's worked so well for me because you, you do it with gratefulness, you know, with gratitude. Because right. a lot of people ask for stuff, but they don't do it. They do it cocky. You know, they don't do it with humbleness. Mm -hmm. I believe you have to ask God first with gratitude in your heart, whatever it is. God doesn't, doesn't look at who you are or your past or whatever. And working with Jackie was a great thrill because Jackie <clears throat> set me up to eventually work with all these legends like Natalie Cole and, and Beyonce and all these, and Christina, because I got my start of making somebody who didn't speak a word of Spanish sound fluent in Spanish. She didn't speak a word of Spanish? Not no. a word. Really? No. Nothing. Actually, I'm glad, I'm wow. glad you mentioned that because... Oh, I'm, you know, again, thinking in terms of you being a music producer, when I read, you know, when you worked with Christina and Beyonce, mm -hmm. I, I guess I never realized that, again, you at that point being, you know, one of the most legendary music producers out there, that you actually phonetically, you for yeah. personally, phonetically wrote out Absolutely. each song. Every you would have thought maybe they had like a, some type of speech coach <laughs> or, or, you know, somebody else do that. No, I, 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 I did it in a, a bunch of ways. I, what I would do is I would write. I would take the lyric, the the English lyric, uh, and and then I would write my lyric mm -hmm. next to it so they so they can see. And then I would take my lyric and do a literal translation in English of my lyric, so they would see the emo so they could learn the emotion. So once they once they they learned that, I would do a phonetic. Okay. And then I would do a guide vocal with a singer that sounded very close to them to be able to for them to mimic 
So then I would sit here with Jackie and with Beyonce. I mean, there's this footage. There's a footage uh, that that footage that had that we have of Beyonce, where where I'm telling her. Um, she's like, uh, "Look, I say, look, I say, look, I say, no, no, look, I say, look, I say," and she's like, "Look, I say, no, no, say, say." Okay, that's it. Andrew, record it. And so the moment she got it, like close, where the pronunciation was perfect and learned it, then we would do like 10 takes of that, just that word. And then after she left, I would sit there with Andrew and take syllable by syllable and put it all, piece it all together until there was a, a composite of a, of a performance. Wow. Talk about so, full circle because oh. that's one of the first things you did. Yeah. One of your first jobs was exactly. splicing together all those exactly. seconds yeah. of tape. Exactly. Who knew? Who knew? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, we did that with, uh, with Nat King Cole, you know, when, when, when Natalie Cole, we were doing her album, uh, they, they told me we need to do a duet with Nat, just like she did in, in the Unforgettable right. one. But a Spanish song, so I said, "Okay, can you guys look in the vaults uh, and see if you can get me Nat's vocal, and I'll take care of it." Uh, Rudy, this was recorded <laughs> in 1958 in Havana, Cuba. You know, with like a with like a, a, a you know mono with like a live band in Semecu studio. There, I mean, there is no master multi-track. You know, okay, so okay, so we got a CD. And we started doing face cancellation, and and with a lot of EQ and face cancellation, we were able to kind of disappear the track around Nat, mm -hmm. and then we chopped it up and literally syllable by syllable, and then I put together an arrangement with an orchestra that covered up any residue that might have been left, mm -hmm. right. and then added Nat into the performance, and then created a whole other performance with natalie to compliment nat oh, yeah. and that's why we got nominated for for three grammys for for that album unfortunately the academy that was one of the that was one i think if you ask me right now mm -hmm. what's a grammy you would have really loved to have won i could tell you right now the only one would have been natalie cole and to go there and walk away empty-handed after three after an extraordinary yeah. album you know yeah. with Juan Luis Guerra with Andrea Bocelli I mean with Arturo Sandoval duet with Nat King Cole and that mm. we didn't get recognized so yeah. today I said it in, in Univision in an interview because there's a big scandal right now because a lot of the reggaeton superstars didn't get nominated so they created a there's no Grammy without reggaeton movement <laughs> like, Daddy uh, Yankee hashtag. Maluma mm -hmm. they're all like crazy they're all going nuts mm -hmm. so so they asked me about that today, and I said, look, all of them, you may be watching this. Uh, I got to tell you right now, I was very disappointed when I didn't win, but I moved on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can't dwell on that. I never did anything for an award. I really wanted that one because I thought we had done something super extraordinary. And this was a, a special event that will never happen again. And sure enough, it never did. She died. Yeah. So we should have gotten at mm -hmm. least one of the three nominations. One. And we walked in. And, and I, of course, I was disappointed, but I didn't go and start a, a war against yeah. the Grammy. But either. your work now will live forever. Exactly. There. You are legendary. I mean, you didn't get that, that award, but yeah. your, your, your work beyond speaks for itself. And I actually wanted to make a, a, a mention in terms of Cristina Aguilera. Mm -hmm. um, 
in, in, in terms of, again, your talent and what you brought out on her. Yeah. I remember when Christina came out, you know, obviously she could sing like, I mean, she could she blow the roof. Uh, yes. She could I mean, blow the roof amazing. off the house. But I remember when she first came out to me, she sounded like every other blonde girl that came out at yeah. that time in terms of sure, her music. Yeah. And I remember when that album came out, the Spanish album, mm. I actually went and bought that album because oh. I heard her version of uh, Contigo en la Distancia. Oh, wow. I love and, that. I got a great story about that. And uh, me recuerdo de ti. Me acuerdo de ti. And I, I don't know if it was, you know, in part because she is Hispanic or her father or because she was working with a legend like yourself that to me that was Christina Aguilera, not that other pop stuff. I taught her something very important. I, you know, she at, when I met her, she was doing all these acrobatic things with her vocal, mm -hmm. vocals and she really rarely held a note a long time. And I, I said, Christina, you have such a beautiful voice that you need to you need to belt out vocals but you know you don't need to do all that stuff you need to once in a while it's okay but long notes beautiful long notes with vibrato and and so and she um she listened you know one time the the, the contigo en la distancia on, on a break we, were, we had just had lunch and everybody was just floating around before we went back I sat in my piano in the living room and I started playing Contigo en la Distancia, which happens to be a song that my mom used to sing to me. I, I, I start, I, you know, one of my favorite boleros of all time. And, and, and bolero, for those people that may not know, that can, could, could be listening to us right now, I think it's the ultimate romantic music uh, in, the, in the Latin work created in Cuba. It was born in Cuba and then it went to the world. But uh, this was written by Cesar Portillo de la Luz, who was a great, great songwriter. He also he wrote also um, uh, Delirio. I mean, an amazing songwriter. So I'm sitting there playing the song, and Christina walks by, and she was 19 at the time, and she she sits by uh, the chair and the piano by me, and she's like, "What is this that you're playing?" And I said, "Oh, this is a." Uh, a standard, a Latin standard, written by a Cuban songwriter. And she goes, uh, what are the words saying? She was very interested. So I said, you know, I translated all the words line by line. Mm -hmm. And I turn over and she's like crying in tears, just crying, crying. I go, what's the matter? And she goes, well, it reminds me of my mom and, and my sister. You know, I've been away so long from, from them and this song with you in the distance. And, oh, my God, Rudy, I, I have to record this song. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. We're doing a pop album. No, this could get me fired. This could be a big, big deal. Christina, no. Oh, no, I'm doing this song. It's your fault. Now you, you, you showed me this. I, I, I will not do this album if I don't do that song. 20 minutes later, I get a call from the president of the label saying, how dare you? We're going to get, we're going to fire you. This is a, you, you're doing a pop album. And he's yelling Tremendo at me. Tremendo lío. Tremendo lío. And he's, and he's yelling at me. And, and I said to him, I, I remember I just said to him, listen, uh, I understand where you're coming from. But she loves the song. And if you have a problem, why don't you go tell her? And by the way, you could yell everything that you want, but you didn't hire me. I was hired by Christina. So if you want to fire me, tell her that you want to fire me. I dare you. 
Damn mm-hmm. right. And that was it. I hung up the phone on the guy, you know. He was the president of, 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 of BMG. Just the president B- of BMG. BMG Latin. No BMG Latin. I've been known to throw a lot of these guys out of the door, you know, because, you know, I, 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 I'm very respectful and I expect people to be respectful too. And I would never do anything to harm the project. I think right. All of a sudden, I saw it as a great opportunity yeah. to keep that music alive by somebody like Christina Aguilera, who had her face posted on every magazine in every oh, yeah. country in the airport. Yeah, and I said, you know, wow, this is a great, great thing for that song. And so uh, for a whole year, we attempted to do that song. And she for would, a year? And she would always fail. Always fail at, at getting the vocal performance she wanted. She's very, Christina is so meticulous. She, you know, she would be in pain when she couldn't get what she wanted. Mm-hmm. So she would say, let's, let's, let's do it another day and we'll, we'll work on another song. And then after a year of just like, because we had to follow her around. So whenever she was uh, nearby in New York or L.A., I would go there and work with her. So we were in L.A. one night, and it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, and we're working on another song. And she goes, hey, Rudy. I said, what's going on? She goes, I'm ready for Contigo right now. And I said, what? And she goes, yeah, why don't we just do it now? And I said, hey, guys, take that tape off. <laughs> Put Contigo en la distancia. And, man, she nailed it. One time she sang the song top to bottom, what you hear on the record. At 2 in the morning. So that was like one take. One take. One take, 2 in the morning. 2 in the morning. But at, she, that, at that moment when she said, I'm now ready, and we were in the middle of another song on the album. An artist and knows. Can you believe? I mean, it was incredible. And I think that from an audience perspective, that those songs, those two songs in particular, I mentioned those two ballads, brought her a sense of credibility. Yes. That yes. I think that maybe she didn't have before. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm just speaking from a no, humble she was, audience. She was know? like a bubblegum, you know, <laughs> little 40, girl, top yeah. 40 girl, yeah. you know, and from the Mickey Mouse Club. And there was a lot of reasons for people to feel that way. But she actually got a lot of respect when she mm-hmm. did those songs. And, you know, Pero Me Acuerdo de Tia had done it with uh with um a puerto rican artist by the name of lourdes robles and she had had a big hit in puerto rico and new york and miami but i always felt because that's the that's the, the the thing with songs you know songs they have a a, 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 a they, they could have a bunch of covers but there's only one person that takes it to becoming Absolutely. a classic one singer you know like sinatra new york new york forget that's it, it. Mm-hmm. I said to her, look, this song has been recorded before, but it's never found the right person to take it around the world. And if you look at it, it has 300 million views. And she, you know, working with Christina was an incredible, incredible mm-hmm. delight because I got to work with Ron Fair, somebody who I really, yeah. truly respect and admire. And he gave me the opportunity and he fought for me because I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, I think you guys uh, remember in the book where... Uh, where the guy hated me from BMG, so he was trying to get me out of the project and get another producer. So he called Ron Fair to say, I got a guy that's the hottest thing. Rudy's a, is, has, has washed up. You know, he's, he's has like, been. has yeah, been. Yeah. You know, this guy's like in right now. He's got all the hits right now. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that guy, uh, I beat six times consecutively, you know, <laughs> well, six years. <laughs> who's keeping track, right? <laughs> you know, and he didn't get the producer of the decade. 
Yeah, exactly. I can't even. <laughs> how do I even follow that up? Some, something <laughs> else. Something else that I actually found in your book and in, in the back where you list all like the songs that you've worked on. So here we are in your studio, Mark Anthony, you know, Willie Chirino, Christina Aguilera. You worked with Beyonce. You worked with all these greats, and I I realized that you worked with a group called Muñecos de Papel, which are from a Cantar una Estrella, right? Yeah. Do you remember that soap opera? Yeah. I remember the soap opera. Yeah. Yeah. It was like Ricky Martin, Sasha Sokol. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw. I was like, oh my god! I, I was like, I was like twelve again. For me, the moment where I was just like, oh, was Wild Orchid. Yeah, Wild Orchid. I really liked Wild Orchid. Yeah, but Wild Orchid, Fer- like, Wild Orchid had like. Remember Fergie? Hit, Fergie, you know? Fergie, Fergie was a lead yeah, singer. Yeah, yeah. Man, it was uh, you but know. Yeah, I was like muñeco de papel. Muñeco I was like, that, I that's that a blast song. from the past. And you know, that's how I found out about Christina because Ron Fair was the the A and R director for Wild Orchid, and one oh. day I walked into his office and I see. VHS tape that says Christina Aguilera and I say hey Ron what is that and he goes oh this young girl you know yeah. uh, and he had a he had a, a thing like a memo f- from uh, Bob Jamison who was the chairman of, uh, of uh, a BMG that said hey Ron check this girl out there may be something there hmm. a and little was, something and it was yeah. Christina so <laughs> Ron, I said, Ron, and he plays me the the thing, and it's her with uh, with her mom and with mom with the violin, and she's in the living room singing. And I said, Ron, we gotta get this girl. He goes, No, I got her. She signed to us, but but I said, No, in Spanish. And she goes, But she doesn't speak a word of Spanish. And I said, I said, Don't worry, but she has Aguilera, <laughs> and having Aguilera, yeah. that, that's, that's yeah. good that's enough it. for that's us. It. That's okay. just <laughs> So, <laughs> so something I really, really want to pick your brain on, and the timing on this interview could have not been any more coincidental with the passing of Jose Jose. Yes. Um, a couple of days ago on our personal podcast page, we, we posted this picture of Jose Jose, Juan Gabriel, Rocio Durcar, y Camilo Seto. Yes. And I, I think I put, you know... You know you grew up in a Latin household when this was all the these soundtrack people were the soundtrack of your childhood, you know, yeah. yes. which they were. These people that have all passed now and, you know, Jose Luis Rodriguez and so many are considered like this kind of uh, threshold in terms of uh, music at that time. And mm-hmm. and my parents, like my parents' generation, it, it's, it was like a standard of these great musicians. And even for our generation, yeah. which are younger, it's still like the standard. Obviously today music, um, Spanish music, you know, at least commercially, is filled with reggaeton uh-huh. and, and all this. I guess what I, I really want to, you know, pick your brain at in terms of quality. I, I mean, obviously everybody has different tastes. Sure. But where are we, we today in terms of the legacy of Spanish music, of Latin music, when you compare it with these artists today, which in their right have their own talent, sure. but to these legends like oh, Jose Jose, Rocio Durcar. You know, I always believe, uh, uh, and, and and I'm just quoting Mantovani, the great conductor. He, he basically once said, you know, music is either good or it isn't. And that's the way I feel. I feel there's good reggaeton, there's really lousy reggaeton, there, there's really great, you know, R&B and trap and all that. And there's really lousy one. And I believe uh, that Latinos, uh, especially in the radio front and, 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 you know, the people that are actually getting the music out to, to, uh, to, to us, the public, uh, I think they should have a lot more variety. Like if you go to the mainstream market, 
you you go and you listen to a Christian station and then you listen to a pop station, a rock station, classics, and there's so much variety. Mm-hmm. In the Latino, it seems like they just play reggaeton, so, and I have nothing against reggaeton. I, I actually think some of them are doing really great things for Latin music around the world. You know, when you think you go to England right now and in Italy and you go to Norway and uh, Swiss uh, countries and all all these places and the top five songs are Jay Balbing and this one and Maluma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so it's it, to me it's, it's a great thing, be, but I wish they would have a lot more variety where, you know, love songs, romantic music could still be playing on the radio and you have a choice. So... I think uh, radio has its its days counted. If you if they continue on this band, mm-hmm. because you can't give somebody, you know, meatballs and spaghetti for three years mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. There's gonna come a time where they're gonna say, "Hey, enough is enough," and I think they're overkilling it, mm-hmm. and they should start, you know, getting together and figuring out how. To diversify. cater, diversify, and and get and and you know and and please the, the the audience because there's a lot of people that just won't listen to radio anymore, yeah. and they're they're only streaming and they're only so that makes me feel like their days are counted. Yeah, yeah. something I, I want to bring up because you've mentioned it a couple times in terms of you know keeping legacy alive for mm-hmm. these older artists and yes. these, these songs. And I know that you and uh, Desmond Child created the, and I know I'm going to get it wrong, but the, the Latin, Latin songwriter. songwriter Hall of Fame. Yes. Um, about maybe six years ago Seven or so? years Seven ago. Seven years ago? This is our seventh. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because I, I'm still in shock that it hasn't even been 10 years that yeah. that Hall of Fame exists, well, considering the impact that Latin songwriters have made in in the music industry. It's definitely the the most single important event in Latin history is the creation of the Hall of Fame. Why? Because it's it it's for songwriters. It's it's to preserve, honor, and celebrate the life works of the greatest songwriters of the Hispanic market in every genre of music, mm-hmm. representing twenty one countries. That. Is never happened before. I think the Latinos have done a terrible, lousy job in honoring all their great artists in every in every you know facet, like sculptors. You know, I mean, what do you know about? Uh, there's a lousy job. Yet the Jewish community has done a remarkable job. They have museums for Gershwin, for this one, for that one, and and they've done an incredible job in making sure that future generations know who their true artists right. were, the people that created. So I, you know, I got a visit about 16 years ago from two of my heroes. And one that same week, it was surreal because Manuel Alejandro is one of the greatest songwriters that ever lived. He dominated the charts for 50 years. He uh, created the careers of Rafael, El Puma, Julio Iglesias, and, and beyond. I mean, it's beyond the people that this Icons. guy did. Mm-hmm. Beyond the people that the people that it did. He actually, uh, and, and he was one of my heroes and still is. He's still alive. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm in the studio in my house in North Bay Road, and, and, and the lady that worked in our house comes and says, hey, there's a Spaniard older gentleman in the front door and I go okay so I, I get out and I see Manuel Alejandro standing right there and mind you my, Manuel Alejandro is a recluse artists 
had uh, talking about Jose Jose. I'll give you a little anecdote on Jose Jose. Manuel Alejandro used to torture singers, like really torture them because he was so successful, everybody wanted a record from him, right? So he would say, okay, Jose Jose, uh, we are, this is 1980, uh, February. I'll tell you what, 1984, uh, February 10th, come to my house in Spain. <laughs> so, me, man, this is the biggest stars in the world. He was a brilliant cat. I mean, so I, I used to, admi I, 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 I mean, I wouldn't be the songwriter if he hadn't lived, I'm telling you. And so, and he was not only just a songwriter, he was an arranger, pianist. So his arrangements were a big part of, uh, of, of the actual sound of the song. You would actually hum and sing the the arrangements so he uh he says you know he he's standing there and i said Ma maestro what are you doing here he goes oh emilio stefan is wants me to to come and live here but i told him unless miami has a cathedral y una plaza de armas <laughs> i cannot move to miami unless you guys get that you know so <laughs> and and i said oh come on in so we came in and and we had a lovely lunch and Julio Iglesias had given me a bottle of, of wine. You know, Julio is famous for his wines. And there's a wine, uh, Chateau Margaux, 1982, the best vintage of all time. It's like, at the time, it was like a $3,000 bottle of wine. Oof. Okay? So he, uh, I, he told me on my birthday when he gave it to me, Si sabes que te vas a morir, tú abres esta botella y te la tomas. Mientras tanto, no la abras. Only the day you know you're going to die, oh. you open up that bottle because that's how good this bottle is. And don't waste it on somebody stupid. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so says Julio. So I'm sitting there with Manuel Alejandro, my musical hero, and I said, I think I died and went to heaven. You know, this is the time yeah. I'm going to yeah. open up. So I popped the cork open and we, and we drank the bottle. And so Julio comes in around 3 p.m. I was actually working with Julio. And, and I greet him in the front door, and I said, you're not going to believe who's in my library. And he goes, who? I said, come on in. You got it. You got it. And we walked in, and when he saw Manuel Alejandro there, he freaked out. They were hugging and kissing and everything. And so we spent a beautiful day with Manuel Alejandro. All I kept thinking, how can I honor this guy? How can I, how can I make sure that his work is preserved for future generations to know all the information that's incredible, that's invaluable for our Latin music documentation. So I said goodbye to him that day. He goes getting into his car, being driven to the airport, and he hugs me and he says, Rudy, this visit to your house is wonderful. I got to tell you, your family is beautiful. Your home is gorgeous. It's, I would stay here and live forever. I love your home. What a vibe. Seeing Julio here today, oh, my God, this has been like the greatest day of my life. But unfortunately... I got to tell you, uh, the best thing about this day was that bottle that we drank. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a brilliant maestro. And then three days later, the same surprise with Armando Manzanero mm. from Mexico, another legend yeah. who wrote everything, you know, all the greatest songs. And here's Armando, and I'm talking to him, and I'm just listening to his stories. So that day, I said to Betsy, you know what? I'm going to make it my life's mission to make sure 
that we can create some kind of a museum where we can honor and preserve the works of these legends. So I started looking around and saying, and seeing, and then I realized there was nothing in the whole world. That's crazy to me. You know, I looked in Spain and Argentina, everywhere. There was never a Hall of Fame for songwriters. So I, I started, I found the American Songwriters Hall of Fame. It's called the Songwriters Hall of Fame in New York City. And I noticed they had a gala, so I went to the gala and I saw the, you know, the most incredible show where like these, you know, no-face songwriters that had written these incredible songs like Midnight Train to Georgia oh, great song. and all these incredible songs. But these were not famous guys. These were, these were common guys that wrote these songs and they were behind the scenes and nobody knew who they were, but everybody knew their songs. And I was so taken by the performances. You know, here's like, for example, for this guy that I'm talking about, Midnight Train to Georgia, all of a sudden you see, ladies and gentlemen, and to honor so-and-so tonight, here is Garth Brooks. And Garth Brooks came out and sang a little piece of one of his hits. And then Garth Brooks would say, Ladies and gentlemen, Sting. Then Sting came out and did another song. And then, you know, Steven Tyler. And every moment was like that, where these incredible legends came to honor the unknown songwriter. It's an embarrassment of riches. It was incredible. And I said, wow, this would be so Mm -hmm. good in the Latin market to be able to have that, that humility where, you know, and everyone, I mean, Elton John said, you know, I, the Grammy is great and all these award shows. But this one is the one that I'm taking home with me mm-hmm. because this one was given to me by the songwriters. And I am honored to be in a room with people like the only he said, it, you could see it on the on his speech of the Songwriters Hall of Fame, where he says, the only way I would ever imagine to be in a room of this level with the people that are here tonight was if I was in a restaurant, you know, waiting on you. Mm, wow. And that, that was incredible, you know. And um, and so I said, I got to go back and create this. And I started coming and I became a member of the Songwriters Hall of Fame in New York. Mm-hmm. And I started going every year to the board and presenting my case. And they, they told me, look, we'll, we'll take a look at it. Not right now. We're busy with our schedule, but we'll take a look at it. We promise you. I, I just wanted their auspice. Right, I just right. didn't want to, like Rudy Paris now has a... Right. A, you know, right. I wanted to, just like I did the Latin Grammys when, when, when we created the uh, the Latin yeah, Grammys, yeah. I wanted to have credibility. Right. I wanted to be under the auspice of the, the mother company. And so finally on Hal Davis, is, uh, the chairman of the board, on his 90th birthday, I went up to him in, in L.A. And, uh, everybody was there, Burr Bacharach, Stevie Wonder, everybody was in his table. And I went up to him and I said, Hal, am I going to get the chance to get the auspices here? And he goes, this is your year. And so I get a phone call from Desmond Child, who, you know, l- wrote all the biggest songs, uh, you know, from Kiss, uh, uh, I Was Made For, to, for Loving You, uh, to, uh, you know, uh, um, Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi, to Living La Vida Loca. I mean, Desmond has mega hits. Uh, he calls me up and says, Rudy, and by the way, Desmond's mom was Cuban. And and so he, you know, he calls me up and he says, Rudy, I got inducted into the American Songwriters Hall of Fame. And I was curious to find out what other Latinos 
And I and I I was so disappointed to find out that it was only like Jobim, Ernesto Lacona, and me. <laughs> That's it. And and all the years that this institution's been around, they've only inducted three Latinos with me included. And I was, you know, disappointed. And I went to the board. I I joined the board, and now I'm on the board. And you know, and I went and I made my case. And they told me, look, Rudy. Uh, Look, uh, Desmond, if you really want to uh, uh, make something mm -hmm. of that and change things, why don't you go talk to Rudy because he's been trying for many years now to put that together. Oh. To, and so Desmond calls me up and says, Hey, Rudy, listen, uh, I just want you to know that, that uh, I'm willing to join forces with you to help you. Right. I just want one condition. I, I want to honor my mom. I want to be able to honor my mom. And, and I had met his mom, which she was a poet and songwriter, and and she raised Desmond by herself and no no dad. And mm -hmm. and so he had a he, tremendous love for his mom. And, and he says to me, uh, uh, I just want to give her what she didn't get in life. She tried until the day she died to play songs, and you know she was always writing. And I said, okay. So uh, I'm going to be in New York next week. Are you going to be in New York? Said, yeah, sure. So I went to his apartment in New York. I was walking around the apartment, and I saw this statuette, beautiful statuette of a woman, you know, sitting on, on, her, on, her, uh, on the floor with a guitar. And, and, she, uh, and, I, and I looked at it, and I said, I said, Desmond, what is this? And he goes, there was a sculptor in the 60s that, you know, that actually did this of my mom. That's my mom. And I said, Desmond you know what, we're going to have it reproduced. We're going to do it in silver, pure sterling silver, and it's going to be the award mm, we're going to give to there our... There we go, wow. It's, it's and, right behind you. And, yes. she, and she's going to be called La Musa. Mm. I'm going to call her La Musa, and it's your mom. And so now she's called Elena Casals La Musa and immortalized forever. Right. You know, we've inducted some of the well, most... Well, that's not a tribute. I don't know what My is. eyes are welling up. Like, you know, we, we, we actually have, have inducted some of the biggest legendary songwriters in the last seven years. And this year, we're about to do it again on, on, August, uh, on October 24th. And Elena Casal sits right in the center of our stage, you mm -hmm. know, a gigantic version of this one. And she's Desmond's mommy. You know? Wow. That's beautiful. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing. There's a whole story we made uh, of La Musa. You have that video under the La Musa video? Because uh, I want to play it for the guys later. It's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful story and, and you don't know how proud I am when, when, when these legends go up and, and, and pick up the award and say, you know, this is like the culmination of my career. Mm -hmm. This is it. I'm so happy I, I finally Mm -hmm. did it you know and that's that's a great moment because you know you I, I have a lot of problems with current like recent uh stars that are big they call me up hey when am i going to be inducted man you know <laughs> i sold out madison uh, you know square yeah, garden man. this week and i'm going well uh the qualifications need you you have to be 20 years yeah. from your first yeah. hit yeah so when your songs are 20 years old <laughs> <laughs> then we'll, the nominating committee will be able to 
nominate you. We'll talk. We'll, we'll talk. talk then. We'll talk okay. Because I, I hear that in time and time again from musicians that I like as well that I follow that are, <laughs> are, are songwriters that they say that that is like the greatest accomplishment is to be acknowledged for their songwriting mm-hmm. more than their album sales. Oh, and absolutely. All absolutely. Yeah. And you know, when you have guys like uh, Camilo Sesto, we had him two years ago and he passed away th- this year. And Camilo, uh, you know, there's nobody more iconic than Cam- the Camilo and the songs he gave us. But he was such a great singer that a lot of people didn't realize that he had written all those songs himself. Yeah. And so when when he when I called them up and I said, you know, we would love to to induct you into the Hall of Fame, and he was like crying for 20 minutes. I just sat there waiting for him to stop crying, and mm-hmm. and I said. Uh, it's okay, Camilo, you know. And he goes, Rudy, it's all I ever wanted. Yeah. More than being a singer, I wanted people to recognize me for the songs I wrote. Because it's a, it's a part of you. It's, it's a part it's, of you. And, and you know, he the people only gave him the, 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 you know, the recognition as a singer and never as a songwriter. And Julio Iglesias, the same thing. Julio got inducted the first year mm-hmm. because a lot of people didn't know that Julio wrote all those great songs. All those big songs were written by him. Well, no, I well, think actually I mean, that's a great way to yeah. end, end it. We can uh, go on for hours. hours. <laughs> I, mean, I love you guys. Like, hey, <laughs> invite me again. I'll come back again. Say, we'll do open, part two. Open invitation whenever you want, Rudy. I mean, I, I'm gonna. I, I definitely feel very, very honored to, to be talking to you. I we're feel, a little humbled. I, yeah, I gotta say, yeah, a little I mean, humbled. And you guys gotta come to La Musa, man. You guys oh, gotta we, come. We, we, we invi- to. I'm inviting you officially. Thank you. We would love to come. You love it. You want to talk about an honor? That actually uncovered on our podcast because again, listen, laugh, and learn yeah i think that's something yeah. that our audience absolutely uh, would definitely love to know the acknowledgement of you know yeah. latin uh, songwriters yes people need to it, know it's not people as well know. known as it should be quite frankly. exactly and you know and just thank you not only for for all the music you've created which is like the soundtracks we've talked here soundtrack of our lives oh, essentially thank you, thank you so much but thank you for creating you know la musa the latin songwriter hall of fame because that after all is said and done in my humble opinion, I'm going to go ahead and speak for you too, Jerry. That's going to be your real legacy. Because yeah. that is, you are making sure that our musical history as Latinos, Hispanics, is not forgotten. Exactly. And and thank you for that. It's properly oh, my, acknowledged. Yeah. And I'm grateful to you guys. And I, I just hope that the kids, whoever whoever's out there that's young and is listening to us, uh, just be curious, man. And just, just you know, continue to... to to elevate, elevate the level of our heritage and our music and our arts. I, I think, you know, be curious. If you love music, go and study it. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't just be a musical idiot out there getting a software and, and pretending <laughs> you're a great, you know, musician. Mm-hmm. No, right. there's more to it. And if you study, it will open up a whole new world for you that, that maybe you can actually create something incredible. So yeah. no, I agree. If you don't, you know, if you don't study it and you just have the equipment, essentially you're us and you're podcasters. <laughs> I, so, yeah. so. I told I told my kids I have four boys, and when they all wanted to be in music, I told them, okay, one condition: all of you have to study piano, obligated for four years, and all of you have to learn how to read and write music, obligated, because, you know, I don't want you to be taking the space of somebody who really deserves it. So if you want to be that, you have to be the best. So you need the formation. You need 
you know, you need to prepare yourself because if you prepare with opportunity, they clash success. Yeah. You know, preparation, opportunity, clashing together, that's success. Well, thank you again so much. Thank Rudy. you, thank it's you, so thank much. you, guys. Our extreme honor and pleasure. My pleasure, and thank, thank you, you to all your audience, and I hope uh, I hope they enjoyed it. Yeah, and pick up his book, Latin Hitmaker. Oh, thank Out you now. so much. <laughs> and we're back. Okay, again, I know it was rather lengthy, but it was so worth the price of admission. I mean, it was. He's, I the the biggest thing I took away from that is not only is he so accomplished, but he still wants to make sure that there's there's you know his, history there. You know his creation of the Latin Songwriter Hall of Fame. And as and we said in the interview, it's like you would have so thought that that existed. Not even ten years. Yeah. Not even ten years. And, and so I mean, I I give him mad kudos for that. Just that alone, I think, is something that. That makes him definitely worth, you know, being known about, and people should definitely, you know. Be well, it's a, it's a legacy him. thing, you know. But, but it's not just his legacy. You know what I mean? He's ensuring the legacy of of an entire genre. Yeah, but but when you're somebody like him who no, but but I'm saying it's, but, but but when you're somebody like him who has a love for the art. Right, you know, you see it more than just your success and right. what hit records but, you've produced and who you worked to, with. But that goes back to what we're saying. It, it goes who back to the art, person. right? To the art, you know. He he wants the art to be memorialized, you know, no matter who it's from. Yeah. So that was great. So thank you again, Rudy, for uh, inviting yes. us to and your Betsy, home. And wife. Betsy, you were both amazing, and we are very humbled and thankful that you you did this for us and you sat down with us. We we felt. Very, very um, comfortable at your home, and yeah. we really appreciate it. So that made me very thirsty. I am so thirsty. I'm so parched. I'm going to give my last Coke of the Desert to somebody who passed okay. uh, this week, and you're going to love who it is. Oh, I but I it's going to be to Diane Carroll. Yay! For those of you who don't know who Diane Carroll is, <laughs> you know what I was thinking the other day? Because, I mean, obviously, we know Dynasty from when we were kids. but Even if we didn't watch it. But, yeah. but we didn't watch it. Right. We don't really know what happened in Dynasty right. as children. Diane Carroll came into my life as Whitley's mother. Same. <laughs> Same. Yeah, yeah. That's what I first remember her. And can you think of any better casting than no. Whitley? You know, Whitley from uh, Jasmine, Guy. Jasmine Guy on yeah. uh, it's, um, different world. A Different World. You know, better casting than Diane Carroll. No, and then especially because you know the dynasty connection now. Yes. It's, it makes all sense in the world. Yes, but she passed. And, you know, I think, um, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel that Diane Carroll didn't a lot of times get the recognition she did in terms of breaking down walls as uh, a, a black lady in terms of first this, first that. Well, she, you know. but I think she got the recognition. She was the first lead female the first black female to lead her own show to lead her own Julia. show where she was not somebody who worked in a service position no 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 no, no. but she was the lead right period but it was the first of a drama i think is what it was. but it was the first where the lead who was mm-hmm. a black woman did not have a job in like as a maid or like something like that right because she was a nurse yeah yeah so because when when you they talk about like the great actresses that mm-hmm. you know, like black actresses that did this and that and that. 
I mean, I mean, maybe I I hadn't come across it, but but I don't always hear her name, and she really was a pioneer. She broke down I mean, a lot of errors. she broke down a lot of worries, and she was just such a beautiful woman. And I personally, I love her for, of course, it's burned. The champagne <laughs> is burned. You know that her. Her, it's kind of like caddy and it's it's now it's, like it's, a, total it's now of legends yeah. but it, it's become kind of like a pop culture moment uh, a scene in in dynasty when she meets was, was that her first that wasn't her first scene, scene no, but that was when she first sees Alexis. Right, right. You know, when she first meets the character of Alexis, played by Joan Collins in, in uh, Dynasty. You know, remember Dynasty was all about, like, cattiness and bitchiness and all that. Um, <laughs> there's just a banter where Alexis was trying to impress her. And she's like, the champagne is burned. You know, obviously it was frozen, you know. <laughs> and I only drink, I only eat... Um, Obstetra beluga, <laughs> in terms of the caviar she eats. What is that you said that she told um, Aaron Spelling? Yeah. Basically, she got the position, the the role of um, oh my god, I can't Dominique right? Dominique, uh, Dominique Devereaux Devereaux. Because I like she, to think she was friends. She was related to Blanche. To Blanche. Well, yeah. you know, Blanche's father did have that affair with with her mammy. Well, there we go. So it could be we don't. Know. And Dominique Devereaux was part white. That's right, because she was Blake's half sister. Mm-hmm. You know, for two people who did not watch Dynasty, we know a lot about. We know a lot. So I think that the Blanche Dominique <laughs> connection connection could be true. Could be true, but the way similar she, in age. The the rumor is that she got the position, the 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 role, or that the role was kind of created because she met with Aaron Spelling and she said, "You know, I love Dynasty. I think it's great, but you know, what you need is a black bitch, and I can be that bitch." You know, she said something to that effect. I'm not quoting her, mm-hmm. and the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Well, that she did, and she she was so like pretty, you know, the whatever. So, so my coat goes to Diane Carroll. Diane Carroll. Well, mine is not as <laughs> it's, it's it's just honestly. Heifer Corporation. No, actually, quite the opposite. We're in the West Coast. I'm giving it to In and Out Burger. We oh. just had a delicious meal. I, we don't have In and Out back in Miami. <laughs> I was starving. Well, it kind of comes from the heifer. <laughs> I, exactly. That's why I'm like, it's not the same. It's similar. I mean, we were starving as all get out, and that damn burger hit the spot. I don't know what it is about You know, it's funny that there was a I rumor not too long ago that they were going to open in the wet, in the East Coast. I'm like, nope. They can't. Well, they could, and I'm sure yeah. it'll be successful. But for us, it ruined the novelty. Oh, of course, like everything else. Yeah. yeah. That's like they don't have um, Shake Shack here in the West Coast. No? Nope. I think the most West Shake Shack goes is Texas. So is it like a Bloods and Crips thing? I mean, haven't like, you learned anything from Seth from Burger Beast? You know, I do pay attention, but most and of that's the time like, for example, you. Texas. I don't know if it's only Texas, but I know it's like the Texas region. Mm-hmm. They have Whataburger. Whataburger, but Whataburger is owned by somebody. But Whataburgers, they don't have no, it no, everywhere no, no, else. No, 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 but I'm trying to remember who owns Whataburger because I know it's part of a bigger company. No, I don't know. Oh, wonder. I don't know. So In and Out Burger. Because it's I, it's because it's three in the morning and I am still. We were in an in and out burger and I, we were eating and I tell Ish, I'm like mira esa señora. There was this older Asian woman next to me that must have been like ninety and she was having a double. She was having a double double. She was having she, a double and she was chowing that down. I was like mira eso. Wait, she didn't come up for air. No, I was like mira eso. She didn't even have a single. She was having the double double with fries. 
I'm like, good for you. Good for you. You just had a long flight. You go and you go and you eat your In and Out burger. So, anyway. Well, we, everybody, we hope you listened, laughed, and learned. Yes, We're sure. going to go get some Z's now. Yes, please. <laughs> We're a little tired, but thank you for hanging with us. And we, as we said, uh, the next few episodes are going to be a little bit of a treat, a little bit different, um, us in the West Coast. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we hope everybody listened, laughed, and learned. I don't even know if Darren already say that. <laughs> you might have. <laughs> and I hope you grab your pastelito, your croqueta, your In-N-Out burger, and your jupiña. And thank you for joining us. That was episode 84. Bye, everybody. Enllano tan inmenso, tan inmenso como el cielo. Voy a podar un jardín para que duerma tu cuerpo. En un mar espeso y ancho, más ancho que el universo Voy a construir un barco para que navegue el sueño En un universo negro como lébano más puro Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head-on.